Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. I tell you what, this is the, tonight is special. I text the guest tonight, Brian, I texted him earlier today and I told him that I felt that. And the reason I felt that is because this man is, is doing some things that a lot of people will hear about soon. Everybody's going to know his name. Trust me on this one. He's gonna. Okay. It, it will be a household name just like all the other household names that are out there. Tonight is special, Brian. I'm excited about our guest. We had him on one time before, and mm-hmm. when he was on, I was just amazed at how much wisdom was coming out of this young man. But, Brian, you know what? It's not the age that counts with wisdom. Yeah. You don't get wisdom from age. You get it from Experience. our father. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he he's, def- he's definitely blessed with that. And we're going to have fun tonight, Brian. You know, I... When when you told me that you had finally gotten him to come back on the show, I was like, whoa, whoa, I can't wait. You know, because after the first show, I had a lot of people asking me questions like, well, what, what, who was he and what is, what is he about? And tell me about the book. And I kept telling them, go buy the book. <laughs> yeah. Go buy the book. So the final, you know, finally we've gotten him back on the show. Now they can call in or they can listen in and they can hear a little bit more about who he is and what he's doing and, you know, just some of the important things that he has dealt with in his life and the fact that he wants to go out and share these things, you know, with people. You know, it's and like I told him before, it's all about service. You know, he's what he's doing is not just something that is helping people, but he's actually serving people with what he's doing, yeah. you know, so... But, Brian, you know, I, I I definitely want to talk with him about how people come against you when, you, when you're doing the things that he's doing. I, you know, I want to see how he's handling that. I know he's handling it well because he's grounded because of his father. And, he, you know, he, he's got somebody in his corner at all times that's helping him. But I, I want to hear uh, some of the things that he had to block out when he was going after his dreams and writing his book and and, and writing his movie and, and doing the things that he's doing right now because Brian, you know, when you when you're out there and you're close to your breakthrough, that's when everything starts coming at you. You you face so many different things and it's like it's so much harder for you to get what you want and the closer you get it feels like you you're so much farther away from that thing that you've been wishing and dreaming and hoping for. But I want to talk with him about that because that's something where we are right now with a lot of people that don't have the courage, Brian, to say, you know what, I have to be disciplined and go after my dreams and be committed. And to see this young man doing what he's doing, Brian, I'm I'm impressed, I'm excited, and we're just going to have fun, man. I know I keep saying that, but I'm excited about tonight. Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to go ahead and introduce him so we can get him on and we can start our discussion. Okay, go ahead. Our guest tonight is Mr. Tony Gaskins, Jr., and he's the president and founder of Soul Writers, LLC. He's also a psychology and criminology major at the University of South Florida. And one of the things that he's working on now is a movie project. And the book that he wrote is called What Daddy Never Told His Little Girl. <laughs> you know, and some of the things that he's talked about in this book, man, I know that people have either dealt with or they've experienced it in some form or manner. So let's bring him on and let him talk about the book and the movies that he's getting ready to, that he's in the process of shooting now, and let him share with us some of the wisdom that he has. Tony, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Welcome again. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're just fine. Yeah, you're just fine. i tell you what, Tony, I know you heard us dialoguing back and forth a few minutes ago when we were talking about you. You know, I I want you to talk about when someone is, you know, when they're out there chasing their dreams and and they're going after them, you know, when when we don't go after our dreams, we're okay. 
you know, we're not so much, we're really not being attacked so much, but it's like when we start moving towards that thing that we were called to do, it just seems like the gates just open up and everything just come against us. What what should someone do that's out there that's listening tonight that are going through that? What should How should they deal with that? Well, I mean, I would hope that a lot of people turn to their spirituality, which I find mine in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was talking to a young man today, and I was telling him about the faith walk, which a lot of people in the world are not really getting into faith and understanding that the Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight, and that's exactly what it is. Is when you walk by faith, you can't always see what tomorrow going to bring. You can't see what's going to happen. But in a sense, you walk in blindly leaning on the everlasting arm of God, and you trust in him to bring you through. And so a lot of times when the problems confront me, I take what the devil meant for evil and allow God to turn into good. And I've learned that when you press through, and I understand now that in order to get to, you've got to go through. And a lot of people are trying to run away. They're trying to go around. But I realize that in the midst of the storm, in the eye of the storm, that's where it's most peaceful at. So I just keep going, man. Awesome. 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 You know, Tony, tell us your story. Tell us what brought you to this point where now you're, you know, you're doing what you believe is right and you're doing the right things. But we know, you know, just from reading your story and talking with you in the past that you haven't always been the person you are now. So tell us, how did you get to this point? Well, I, I was living uh, in the world, kind of searching for myself, and I was looking for affirmation in the world. I was looking to be affirmed by others, by the people around me, and just searching for myself. In a sense, like most young black men, I was afraid of failure, and that's kind of it, it drove me. But then sometimes it, it could drive you crazy, and it could take you places that you don't want to go. And so, in in the world, and living by the rules of the world. Uh, the devil snatched me off my feet. And when he did that, it sent me running back to the father like the prodigal son. And I, and I learned the lesson early. I, was, I believe I was 23 at the time. And I learned the lesson then that the only thing that's going to last is what you do for God. And so I decided to change my life and take everything I've lived and everything I've experienced and use that to enlighten, inspire, and empower. And I gave up dreams and hopes for material things and money, and I say, you know what, I'm going to live the best life I can while I'm here because I'm no longer living on this 70-year plan that a lot of people are living on, but I'm living on an eternal plan. I understand that when I close my eyes, I'm going to open them again before God and that ain't nothing I get here in the world that I could take with me. And so that's when I decided to change my life, man, when the devil just reared his ugly head. And that's what I'm trying to tell these young brothers that, that, that I'm dealing with and that I work with is that, man, nothing, don't anything matter. They don't, like the Bible say, what profits a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? And so that, I, I'm so lot from, from here on out, from the things I've been through, I'm so lot, man. I can't, the two can't compare. But so, so, when you made that commitment, I, I think when people hear you say that, a lot of people may think, you know what, when he made that commitment, everything was peaches and cream. It was, it was just wonderful. You know, no problems, nothing came against him. It just seems like, you know, the father stepped in and just took over everything, and this brother didn't have to worry about nothing anymore. No more fights and no more struggles. Was it like that? No, sir, not at all. And at that time, when you make that commitment, that's when the devil decides he going to hit you, that he going to hit you hard. And so he sends people to say, well, this this book you wrote or the books that you're about to write, it ain't. It, it's not gonna make it. It ain't gonna do good because you're not a literary major. You're not a uh, journalism major. Uh, you got a country accent, so your grandma a little off. And people try to define success for you. But I learned that I got to define my own success. So before I even made a dollar, I decided I was gonna be happy and I was gonna be successful because I was doing what God put me here to do. And man, people come at you every day telling you. I I, I call them the devil's advocate. And that's exactly what it is because they, they siding with the evil and they bring ne negativity and that's what the devil brings, man. And I, I say, hey, man, I'm getting ready to do this and, and I'm talking to people that I'm working with and they, and they present all the cons when all I'm looking at is the pros because I serve God. 
And I try to let them know, man, is that when you always focusing on what you don't have and where you're not at, you ain't going to never, you're you never going to make it. And so I've decided to use what I have, where I'm at, and do the best I can with that right there. And, man, that thing right there, is, it, it, that, that changed my life. So now it's no matter what they say, I've decided that I'm going to go anyways, and I'm going to define my own success, and I'm going to blaze my own trail basically by saying it don't matter what the schools teach you. It don't matter what the people before you have done. You do what God has gave you the ability to do to the best of your ability. And, you know, Tony, I, I want to also ask you this question, too. But what about those that are out there that don't believe in themselves, that don't have that faith in themselves to do what it is that they were called to do or that dream that they have? You know, a, a person that's working at a call, they can tell you everything about that particular um, thing that they're selling, that car, that truck, or what they know everything about that car but they don't know how to market themselves. They don't even know themselves. They learn how to do other things about everybody else. They know everything about everybody else. But when you ask them about them, they can't tell you. What is it What is it about a person that they just sit there, they have this dream, beautiful dream, but then they don't do anything with it. They just outthink themselves and say, you know, I probably I can't do this. What would you say to them? I would say stop setting the bar so high and realize that people looking to help somebody that's willing to help themselves. So even on this film, I'm dealing with people that are saying, hey, we don't have this, we don't have that, so therefore we can't do it. And a lot of people that I've dealt with in the past, they, they had a camera in their hand for eight or ten years and never made a film. And to me, I don't understand how you can have a camera which you shoot films with and have never made a film. But when I go to talking to them, I realize is that they set too many standards. They looking at what Denzel Washington doing with fifty million, and they saying this is what I got to do with five thousand. And so what I would say to them people is stop looking at what you don't have. Stop focusing on uh, a lack of money or a lack of skill, and use exactly what you have. And when you do, when you use what you have, somebody going God gonna send somebody to say, hey, I seen you shot that film with. Uh, a handheld camera or a Sony HD camera, but the lighting wasn't all that, and the actors weren't all that good, but the story was awesome. It go five million, and now you shoot it over. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. a lot of uh, we we got to step out there on faith, and and that's what it's all about is trusting in God, and that's what God want to know that we that we willing and able to trust Him. But sometimes we sitting and expecting Him to bring everything, and forget that the Bible says faith without works is dead. So with me, man, I step out there and I do every single thing. I pray to the Father and I believe in God. But when I'm when I'm looking for something or say I'm trying to reach a certain person or, or I'm trying to start something like I did product placement from a um, book, so everybody from a movie, so everybody who is an author, I say you could put your book in a scene like a prop for twenty five dollars a scene. This to help me generate funds for the movie. Now I believe God was gonna touch this. A lot of people now, and, and in the old me, I would have said, okay, Lord, you gave me this idea, and um, I done prayed on it, so I'm going to send out one bulletin, which I got over now about 4,000 friends, so I'm going to send out one bulletin that ought to be enough, and, and I'm going to wait for things to happen. That's what a lot of people are doing. They're praying on it, or they're saying I'm going to do it. They take one step, and then they stop and think everything going to come to them. But no, I say, you know what? I hit up maybe 200 authors personally in one day with long messages. Now, out of all 200, maybe 10 to 15 bite right off. So I say, you know what? What would have happened if I would have just hit up 10 authors thinking everybody was going to bite? And, and, you know what I'm saying, after I hit up 200 and only 15, 20 bit. So that's showing me right there, man. We got to just step out there, and we got to work as hard as we can. And then in the midst of that, God going to show grace and favor, and he going to add to it a hundredfold. Awesome. Mm. You know, one of the things that you said that was just so, I think, just so key to what you're doing now is that you said, I made a decision, you know. And my question is, why do you think so many people fail to come through on the decision that they make? You know, because you hear a lot of people say, well, I made a decision to do this. I made a decision to be this or to say this or to have this. And then they never follow through. 
You're right. Man, everything I, I've noticed, and I have to be honest, completely honest with it, I can't put it nowhere else but besides in the Word of God. And I've learned that since I've decided to devote time to the Lord every morning that I wake up, and I, and I wake up praying, and I go from prayer, and I go to the bathroom and wash up, and I'm still praying, and I come out of that, and I get right in the Word. And when I stay in that Word, that's what keeps me grounded. I mean, the devil sends some things that really could knock you off your feet, really could blow you away. But when you got that word and you see what Abraham went through, you, and you see that after he uh, decided, like I did, after he decided to trust God for a child, it took 25 years. After Joseph decided to believe God about his dream, it took 13 years. He, he got it at 17, but he didn't become what God said he would until he was 30. And a lot of times we can't even wait a year. And that's the thing. So people, they decide they're going to do something, but as soon as the devil hit them, because they're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God or they don't have that backing, they give up. And that's what I, and I, I found out that when you get in that Word, instead of being like a mansion built on the sand, you become a tree planted by the waters. And the thing about that tree that's planted by the waters, it gets hit hard by them storms. And the waves are so hard, but that that what we would consider adversity, instead of tearing that tree down, it strengthens it. It makes it stronger. But when you have no foundation and you are that mansion built on the sand, when you hit by that winds and the waves, it makes you sink because you, have, you lack that foundation. So I tell everybody and these young brothers, I'm like, if you can't do it all at once, just start moving towards God. Start drawing closer to God because a lot of times we as people reach out to people that's that then did what we've done. But I say, you know what? Man is growing more and more corrupt every day. So I'm going to stop going just to man, but I'm going to go to the creator of man because he got the stories in there that's going to carry me through. Awesome. Hmm. You know, Tony, tell us about the movie. Uh, the, the movie is basically an uh, adaptation from my book. And so the book being nonfiction, it, you you don't really see a whole lot of pictures or a whole lot of storytelling. It's more so uh, just experiences with wisdom and insight. And so the movie is the life that was lived, that um, where that insight was drawn from, where that wisdom was gained at. So it's depicting the life, and what, what the goal of it is to just restore a sense of self worth and self respect in our young women, and to teach our young men to to respect our women and and love them. And just showing the youth that in order to be loved, you got to love yourself. And in order to be respected, you got to first respect yourself. So it's, I consider it faith-based, inspirational, no cursing, no nudity. And that's how I'm going to keep it. You know, the question I have about um, people in general, why do you think that um, our young men disrespect our young women nowadays? Why do you think? I mean, I know it's something that's not new. It's happened before, but why do you think it's so prevalent now? Man, that, that right there is so, that's so deep. And to me, everything that I look at in the present day and time, Paul said, ain't nothing new under the sun. So I always tie it into the history, and I look at our beginning on earth, and I look at our beginning as blacks in America. And then when, when you tie it into that, I see that, man, on both sides, we've kind of lost our identity, and we lost our self-worth and self-respect, and we began to uh, attack one another in a sense. The women mad at the men, and the men mad at the women. And, and you see so many young brothers right now, I guess they out there to to get everything they can, and they focus on getting them notches in their belt. But at the same time, in that process, you come across so many women who haven't been affirmed by their fathers because of the lack of fathers in the home or haven't been affirmed by their, by their mothers or their school teachers, and, and they're searching for love, and they compromise their self-worth. They compromise their self-respect, and it's like once a brother get over on one, he feel like he could do it to all of them, or at least he want to try all of them. And it just, I, I guess it's just like a the snowball effect. It just continues to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, this is Greg. I want to ask you this about we – uh, we talk with a lot of women all the time, and uh, you said something about the compromising. I, the first thing that came to me was uh, settling. A lot right. of times, a lot of times, our, our, our women will settle for a piece of a man, right. not a man. They'll settle because they feel like, well, I'm 35, I'm 40, 
uh, I need to marry this guy. I'm going to marry him. He asked me to marry him. This is my dream. I'm going to do it. But I know he's not my Adam. And uh, I think I can change him. I think he'll change over a period of time. I, I, I think I can get him to go to church. I think I can get him to do this. And maybe he won't beat me. Maybe He's going to stop doing all this stuff. He's going to be that person that I've imagined and created in my mind. He's going to be that. What right. would you say to them? Man, my father taught me and life confirmed it, is that you can't change nobody. And the Bible also confirmed it by saying a dog will return to his vomit and a pig to his slop. So you could take a pig out of that slop and clean him up and put him in your house. But as soon as you turn your back, he's racing right back to that slop. And so I, I'm telling these women that you have to reflect what you want to attract. you got to be what you're trying to usher in. So you have to represent. So in a sense, you have to become, become complete yourself by seeking the Father and what God has designed for a woman to be. And in return, you're going to attract a man of God. You're going to attract a man that's going to respect you and love you the way Christ loved the church. So I tell every single woman I talk to after they've read my book is that never, never, like you say, settle for a man. Never settle for something that, that, that you're planning on changing because you just can't, you can't change them. You've got to find a person that's just as complete as you are and find a person that when you look at them, you could check off your list. They're checking off everything on your list as far as what they want to be because you really can't change a grown man. Only God could do that. Yes, that's so true. And Tony, what about what about women not knowing their self worth and their value? Uh, they know they're out of line when certain things go on, and they just accept it, just to have just to have them there. You know, it, it's like you you can pretty much a lot of times you can see it. You you can see too that they don't need to be together. You 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 look at it and you thinking like, huh, what in the world? How, how did they get? And you can see it. Yeah. You, you can see it, and you know what? Where did they lose their value? It, it, do you think that they lost it based on what society says that where they should be at a certain age? Because you know these books, these magazines, they're out there, and they're right. telling people where they should be at, by this age, and they should accept this, and you know what would you right. say to them? Man, that, I, I was speaking to a prophetess, and that's what her main thing was talking about, women being affirmed. And it just it resonated with me, and it showed me that a lot of these women, they settling because they lack someone to tell them you're beautiful. Or or they lack the word of God in their life that tells them their worth, that it, that explains to them, you know, who they are and who they are in Christ, not only just in the world. And so they settling for men that I guess they look at it like, uh, which a lot of women have said to me, well, if if this man has got this job or making this kind of money or, or he's doing this and he's not perfect, then how can I expect the next one to do it? So they're starting to, to believe that every man is the same and that if this one man beat on him or he cheat on him, that ain't no, it's not, uh, don't make no sense to leave him when the next man going to do the same thing. And they end up selling for that man and not realizing that it's, it's another man out there that's seeking the face of God. It's another man out there that is finding out who he is in, on this earth and, and inside of the Word of God and that's ready and willing to take care of that woman. And I, I believe that they're looking in the wrong places. They're looking in the wrong places. And the answer that I found from being on the other side as a young man and coming over to the Lord, I found that there's there's not even a parallel. They they don't even run side by side. It, it's no comparison in being inside of Christ and being in the world. And these women they looking at the they looking at the money. They looking at the cause. They looking at the materialistic things. And they feeling like they they allowing themselves to be bought. They allowing themselves to be bought. And I see it over and over, especially in my generation, that women is selling for a man that in a sense be known or cheating on them, but it's making them feel secure because he a thug, he a, he a bad boy. You know, he, he's somebody that, that seemed masculine, but in actuality, he a boy. <laughs> Ooh, you know, I, I'm, 
I'm reading some of the, the chat room uh, conversations here, and uh, one of our friends in the chat room says, they settle because they don't think that they deserve better. You know, and the sad part about it is you don't just see that happening with women. Right. You know, you also see that happening with men, where men, you know, and people don't believe this, but I've actually seen it. I've actually have, unfortunately, I have friends that have settled to be with this particular person. You know, I remember a friend actually telling me that the person he was with, he said, I began to worship her. Woo. Yeah. He said, she told me that, uh, she told me I had to make a choice that either I would be with her and not go to church or to go to church and not be with her. He said, and I chose to be with her. Mm. And I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. And, you know, sadly, this is the mindset of some of our young people now and some of our old people, you know. And what would you say to, I mean, I already know what you would say because I know what I would say, you know. But what, what do you think? is really wrong with society when someone would believe that they are more important than faith. Yeah, man, that is wild, yeah. That is wild. That that blows me. I can't even fathom a guy being faced with that kind of decision. And that that's that's really beyond me. But it shows you where our world is. It shows you how secular the world has come, and everything we're dealing with is so secular. And that, that right there in itself makes me draw closer to the Lord. And I've decided now, I, I realize that, that what a lot of people seeking in life, as far as inside of love, inside of their jobs, I realize that we're chasing the American dream. But when I read the Bible, I understand that the American dream is God's nightmare, and we're not understanding that. And that's it. When, when you grasp that, man, it changed the way you look at everything, love, life, money, everything. Wow. The American dream is God's nightmare. <laughs> I don't even know how to ask the next question. I, I think I'm going to go to a caller. <laughs> Greg, we got a caller from the 240 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you this evening? Great. Right. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you. This is Virtuous White. Um, the young man spoke about why uh, most women settle, and I put in the chat room a statement saying that when a person don't know who they are in Christ, they will settle. But when they know who they are in Christ, they never settle because most young women and most young men have grew up in homes rather being one parent or two parents in a home and no one has validated to them how important that they are. They never had anyone to tell them that they're loved, that they have potential, they have destiny, you know, they can succeed in life. And when they don't get that in the home, then they search on the outside seeking what they are missing on the inside. So when they do grow older and they get into relationships, what normally happens is that they go after somebody that's going to tell them things that they should have heard when they were younger, but they don't understand it, so they end up thinking that, okay, well, if this man loves me, he may, he gives me this, he'll, he does this for me, or he, he's in a gang, or whatever he might be. They look at that and consider that as love, but it's not love because they still have that empty void in them because they never was taught when they was a child, someone to tell them that I love you, you know, you're beautiful and things like that. So when they get older, they settle for that and they think that is love when in actuality that's not. That's just plain lust. And they end up getting hurt by that. But then that's why you got to have, then when a good person comes along, whether it's a good man or a good woman, to treat them, you know, like the gem that they really are, they can't tell the difference because they've been, they've been dealt with trash. So then when they finally get something that is good for them, they don't know. They think that, oh, well, you know, if this man treated me, you know, very nice and speaking to me in a nice voice and he's opening doors and he's actually listening to my thoughts, that they're thinking that, oh, well, you know, he must be a wimp or he, oh, he, he's crazy. What's wrong with him? They're not used to that. Same thing applies for a man. If a woman starts acting that way to him, you know, really listening to him as he's speaking, they're confused. 
So they don't want to go after the good thing because they never had it before. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's sad, but it's true. And, you know, and as you get older, you know, you can't blame, okay, well, I wasn't raised this way when I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't taught this when I was a young child. But that still doesn't exempt them because now they're adults. You get to the point somewhere in life, you just have to really just wake up and know the difference between right and wrong. So somewhere ask, doing that, right? Say your pardon? No, no. I, I was going to ask you, Carla. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that? And I want you and Tony both. Um, you can go first, and I want Tony to answer as well. Do you think it's because of the environment that a lot of people grew up in? They're just doing what they saw. I think they mimic. You know, they. You know, people mimic what they see, and people mimic what they hear. But if that's the case, then that doesn't that doesn't make sense because you can't exempt. Because eventually you have to grow older. It's just like when you were younger and your mom would tell you, well, you know, fire burns. Well, eventually you put your hand on the stove, you're going to get burnt, but eventually somewhere down the line you're going to, you, as you get older and you're 20-year-old and you're going to put your hand on fire, you know it burns. So eventually somewhere our common sense got to kick in and you just got to say, you know what, I know the difference between right and wrong. If somebody's hurting me, is this, is this normal behavior for me to be with someone that's hurting me? So, no, I can, I'm not going to say that um, that is most most of the time it does come from upbringing. Then some, but eventually, even if it does come from upbringing, eventually somewhere we have to take responsibility for our own actions. Hmm, okay, yeah. Tony. Man, that's deep. That that is so deep, and uh, everything she said was so right. And but, but when I look at it, man, I, I was trying to deal with and understand why women continue to settle. And, and in a sense, you almost, when you try to wrap your mind around it, it seems like it's a never-ending story that you could never do that. But when I look at it, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to understand and realize that a lot of women, even I know women that was raised in two-parent homes with a loving father, but yet grow up and allow a man to beat on them, to curse them out, and to dog them out. And the thing about it is when you look at the makeup of a man, speaking in mankind, and you look at the beginning of the time when women served that man, Sarah called Abraham Lord, when women, they, they was made, they was put on earth to exist with a man. And so now in, in this time right here, we're dealing with a lot of women who are single or independent. They say, I don't need a man. But then at the same time, you have the woman that got the man that's mistreating her, and she can't seem to leave him. She can't seem to shake him. I'm starting to realize it's, it's more so. It, it's it's more than the upbringing. It's more than what they saw, and what they've lived. And it's kind of touching on who they are and who we are as people. When you look at the fact that a lot of women just feel like they are connected to a man, and they can't even understand why they can't shake him. They can't even understand why they can't leave him. Why they can't let him go. And it shows me more so why marriage is an institution of God, and that we meant. To marry, we meant to be together. We meant to support one another, but because the world is so secular, it's teaching us the opposite. And so men are beginning to degrade our women and become less of a man. And women are forced to accept this type of man because in her life and, and what she's been through, she can't seem to find better. She, and and it's just all uh, it's all of us together going down because we're not drawing closer to the, to God and to the Word of God. And I just stand by that, man. I, I, I honestly, I feel like life, it's almost like a, it's like a test. And when you look in school, when you're getting ready to take a test, you got a textbook. Now, in order to pass that test, you got to get in the textbook. So life was created by who? It was created by God. And the Holy Bible is our textbook to the test of life. But people Amen. is taking this test without reading the textbook. And the thing about it, what makes it so bad, you go to the man's school you pay $150 for that textbook to pass your test. But God has made it to where you could get his textbook for free to take the most important test that you could ever take, and that's the test of life. And people not doing that, and people is, uh, they, they, they're not trying to understand God. They're not trying to grow closer to God. And even black people who believe in God and may go to church don't get in their word. And I honestly believe there's no other solution, there's no other answer, there's no way around it but understanding who you are on the face of God's earth. And he put all that in the Holy Bible. Mm. Wow. I totally agree with that. That is 100% true. Absolutely. I want to go to the next caller in the 
407 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you. This is Dr. Jay Briley calling from uh, Orlando, Florida, and I'm a good friend of Tony's. Tony, how are you? I'm doing fine, yourself. <laughs> Great. I uh, think you hit on some very powerful points, and it really goes back to I'm an author of a, a book entitled, actually a series called Abuse, the Silent Epidemic. And I'm, I've raised two young men, twin boys who are virgins at the age of 18, and I talk a lot about this. And I think uh, we have an unrealistic expectation, as Tony said, because we're dealing with dysfunctional people who have been raised in dysfunctional families. And the key is knowing who you are, knowing where you were created to be, and then understanding the roles of both. And men are a foundation. The Bible says that men were made, but then women were formed. And they came from the men, and we're supposed to complement the men. And... Uh, Obviously, wow. we've lost our perspectives of what we're supposed to be doing here. And so the woman, um, it has to start somewhere. I've taught my boys and I've trained them. Although I was disrespected in a marriage and almost killed uh, by my ex-husband who was an attorney, I trained my boys that women are valuable. They're precious, but so are they. Wow. And uh, I think you're right. We attract what we perceive ourselves to be and what we deserve. And so they wow. tell women and they tell young ladies, keep yourself, respect yourself. And somebody, as they begin to pour into the lives of women, these young ladies are beginning to understand what men want and that there are some good men out there. And then on the other hand, I tell men the same thing. I think uh, when I met Tony, I told him the same thing, how valuable he was. We have to have women pour into uh, young men's life, and we have to have uh, young boys treat women and respect them. But it has to start somewhere. So women, I, I admonish you. If you will, if you're raising young men, teach them how to respect young ladies. Teach them that they are valuable. And we have to stop telling the young men, you're like your daddy and he was no one. I never badmouth their father because the sons are a part of or the image of their fathers. And so you tear down their self-worth. And they hate themselves. And when you hate yourself, you can't love someone else, not adequately. I was just thinking, the other day I saw uh, two ladies. They were walking with a young boy. And the young boy tripped over his feet. And she said, you are so stupid and goofy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And she said, you need to stop tripping over yourself all the time because you're just goofy. And, I mean, this is how she's talking to this little boy. And the little boy just walking along like whatever, you know. And I'm thinking, now imagine what this little boy is going to think about himself when he gets older. You're, you know, you're right, but not only himself, that, what is he going to think about that woman? And as that mother becomes a metaphor of a woman who degraded him, he's going to grow up with issues with women. So mm-hmm. a lot of the men who are angry with women, you know what? A lot of it has to do with their mothers who spoke negatively into their lives. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, I tell my children all the time how wonderful and beautiful and just affirm them. And I believe... We're gonna. Somebody's gonna have to start bringing healing. So when I meet men, I let them know I I stand. I'm a single woman. I set my boundaries, but I also let the. I have young mentees, uh, young men who are doing things like my sons in the twenties, who are doing profound things like Tony's doing powerful work. You have to be able to tell them as a woman and affirm them. I'm so proud of you. Men haven't heard a lot of that, particularly black men, uh, from women, and it's clean and pure. We haven't been taught how to have healthy relationships. We haven't been taught how to have an opposite-sex friendship with no sex. And so I talk about that, and as we do that, you bring healing to that man, and that man sees, oh, my God, there are good women out there. Now they can begin to learn how to respect women because we are the vine. Women are the vine, and, and we're the ones who are raising your children. We're the ones who are birthing. Men can't birth children, but we have to learn how to build their self-esteem, teach them how to love themselves so they in return can love someone else adequately. You know what, I want to ask this question uh, um, to the to the young lady that's on the call. You know, we hear about all the time they, they say women are emotional, women are emotional. But, you know, sex is one of the most powerful emotions out there that, do, that, that we'll probably ever have. That's one of the uh, – it's very powerful. Do you, do you think that uh, there, a lot of the women are mixing sex with love? 
Yes, and Tony, I heard Tony say that, and I, I just he said some very profound things to be uh, 24, but he's he stated that. He talked about marriage being a uh, sacred institution, and he talked about sex and women and men sending both what they think of mixed emotions. When a woman wants a man, she, she basically opens up, and, and a lot of the women aren't learning that, that they're wanting a commitment. So before they get a commitment from a man, they begin to quickly move into giving up everything usually sex to prove or show how much he wants it, where a man, on the other hand, sex is just a nice commodity. He'll take it and go to the next candy store. What had me during that process, as Tony talked about, uh, stated earlier, is that the men and women are having sex, but they're connecting their soul. So they have these soul ties, and as much as they like to get out of the relationship, their souls have become connected with this person, and they don't know how to now. We haven't been properly but we haven't been taught properly how to communicate all the other entities of marriage that are important, how to affirm that person, how to communicate with them, how to talk about money, how to plan, how to talk about parenthood. We don't know anything about them, and we've already moved to the fifth stage, you know, or sex with no commitment. And that's where you have having all of the single parents. So they've connected. Yes, they're emotional. You've jumped into the emotional state, and we don't have any contracts. It's no different than starting a business. You know, you've put out everything. You have no commitment, no contract, nothing yeah. but sex. So what's, what's left? Nothing. It erodes. And a lot of times you're left with diseases and children Let me and no Tony. commitment. Yes. I, I want to ask Tony, Tony, at, at what point, when do guys figure out, okay, I've been with this woman, problems. I've been with this woman, problems. And a lot of times <laughs> they choose the women based on how they look. Wow. And a lot of times that brings the most problems. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> How they look. But you know, but you know, I... you know, guys feel a lot of guys now, and I'm going to be honest. A lot of guys that I talk to, they treat women that they that they're around, or the girls that they're around, they treat them like toys. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, I just said that to someone. Tony, can you tell me why? And I just said that to a guy. Can I? Tony hit something. He says women don't know their value. Because I know my value, I tell people where I am right now in life. I'm 40, so therefore I'm not playing, and I'm coming, you know, wanting, looking, or looking for a committed man of God who's first committed to God and, to, and loving a lot of different factors, but I know what I'm looking for. We as parents have to teach young women, and Tony, like Tony said, young boys as well, what they should look for in a decent person. And their the men's priority is a little bit different than the women's priority. We may be looking for, and that's a, you know some great books out there, um, Five Love Languages, and then also um, How to Build an Affair-Proof Marriage. Men, on the it, you know, looks and body is high on the priority list, and for women it's security. And they may confuse that with money and or, you know, the way a person makes them feel. So men may be looking for the looks, women may be looking for the security, and we don't ever communicate about those things. And they, they, get, they get fuzzy and they get emotional, like you said. And Tony hit it on the head. He says they're not looking. They don't know what to look for in a what you may call good person. Yeah. Right. They don't look at the qualities of the person and long-lasting what they're looking for in a because they didn't have role models, they don't they, they don't know what a good parent looks like. How does I, how do I choose a, a man who I know is going to commit to me and my children when I, my father wasn't there, you know? And how do I? Although mine was, but I'm just saying that. How do I look for a man who's going to be supportive with me, not just financially, but emotionally, or with my career, or as a woman? Uh, we don't know because we haven't been taught those things. So the same way we teach our children about finances, we've been lacking you know, in the areas of relationship and how to build um, good marriages and be supportive. We don't know what we're looking for. How do you look for something when you don't know what it is you're looking for? Yeah. We need some good role models. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I got a question for Tony, and it's along those same lines. You know, when you're talking to the youth of today, you know, what are, one, what are the, some of the questions they ask you about your past and your life and you know, the decisions that you made to change what you were doing? Well, basically people ask me uh, of the story, like, what brought you out? 
and and I just I tell them about uh, when I was in the world and I was trying to find myself, afraid to fail, but at the same time wanting to be accepted by the world, and uh, seeing it successful and not understanding what success really means, and getting out there and playing, and and, and a lot of times I let them know that when you when when you ain't hitting on nothing, when you ain't got nothing going, the devil ain't bothering you. But when he know you got something in you, he gonna send everything he can to try to stop you. And so when I was out there playing in the world, messing around in the streets and uh, womanizing, that's what he he sent a near death call. And what he thought it would he thought it would break me. The devil sent it to kill me. He he sent it to break me. He sent it to make me uh, curse God and go harder in the streets. You know, in that in that lifestyle, what a lot of young men get into, that hustling and things like that, to go hard in the streets, trying to find success in the wrong ways, because America has made us believe that we can't make it in corporate America, we can't make honest money, or we can't, or if we do, we working for the man, and we can't have our own. And in school, they kind of reinforce those same beliefs. And so when they ask me that, I, that's what I tell them. I let them know that you define your success, and you blaze your own trail. I was telling uh, two young men today, I say, man, you can't look at what the people have done before you. So when I stepped out there as an author, after the devil knocked me on my behind and I went running to God, I, I decided, you know what, everything I do, I'm going to write my own blueprint to it, and I'm going to make it understandable for me. The Bible tells us that the wise will be confounded by the simple. So I make everything I do simple. Regardless of what Hollywood say, regardless of what master's degree and doctors say, I say, I'm going to make it to where I can understand it. And when I got out there like that, man, and let them know that when, when, when you start to focus on yourself and, and, and chase your dreams instead of following them, then everything starts to change. And when the devil hits you, if you if you rooted and grounded, especially if you're drawing closer to God, then you realize you realize that you're going through something and that you really is closest to your breakthrough. And it's that it's at that point when a lot of people give up, right when they're about to find their breakthrough. And so that's what I talk to the youth about going through and under and appreciating the grind, appreciating the struggle, of laughing at it when 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 you can't uh pay your bills or laughing at it when you when when you struggle in, in your schoolwork or temptations coming hard in a sense because I chuckle to myself. I say, boy, I must really be on something because the devil is definitely on me. And when, when you look at it like that, man, it changes your whole outlook on life. You know, Tony, it, it, it's so funny that you're saying that because you know what I've learned to do when, when it comes at me like that? I, I've learned to say, you know what, I'm going to sit back and watch how he's going to bring me out of this. Yeah. Because if you look back over your life, He's brought you out of everything that you were ever in. He brought you out of it. And yeah. sometimes he, Tony, sometimes he's so he's so good, he'll bring you out of it, and you won't even remember that you were in it. Yeah, you're right. You are so right. And I was I was talking about that today a little earlier. I would say, you know what? When you're dealing with God and you know God and you look at everything that you've come through and everything that you've been through, if you at the end of it, when you made it out okay, when you made it, when such and such died or when you went through this financial problem or this heartache or this heartbreak and you made it through, if you knew in the end that everything was going to be all right, would you have worried in the midst? And so when I, when you look at it like that, you realize, you know what, this is a hard time, but I know he brought me out last time and the time before that. So why why should I worry? Why should I feel? So I don't worry about it, man. Because I know he's going to bring that. <laughs> and, and you know, they say knowing is half the battle. But I believe yeah. knowing means the battle is already won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You know, and, and the reason I ask you that question is because what I've learned from working with youth, from working with people in general, is that people like to see you know, genuine folks. You know, there are a lot of authors out there that have written so many books and, you know, have done all these things and said, you know, have said all these wonderful things in the book, but they never really have experienced life the exactly. way that they're expressing it in their books. Exactly. So when people ask them a question, they'll say, well, in my book, I talk about this, and they're always trying to sell the book. Exactly. You know, versus... 
when you talk to somebody and you come straight from the heart and you come right off the cuff and say, this is what I've been through, you know, this yeah. is what I've experienced, then, yeah. you know, Greg always talks about that you've been tested, you know, you're battle tested. Yeah. You know, and so I just think that's just a great way of doing things, that when you tell people stuff and you come straight from the heart with it. You know, yeah. We got hey, another caller. And uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I say that that right there is awesome, man, and that's what I live by, coming from the heart, and that's what I tell everybody. A lot of people, it, it, it bothers me when you're going into the world, but it just shows you where the world at. They really don't want to hear nothing about what you done been through or what you done lived. They just want to know what school you done went to and what kind of degree you hold. And I try to let them know, me and Dr. Phil, we talking about the same thing. But I can guarantee you, <laughs> I can guarantee you, Dr. Phil ain't slept with a hundred women. Dr. Phil ain't dated no hundred women. You can look at him and tell that. I, 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 could guarantee, I could guarantee you, Dr. Phil trying to touch live, but Dr. Phil ain't been in the street three o'clock in the morning selling drugs. You know what I'm saying? You can look at him and tell that. So I, I try to let him know life is, is the greatest teacher. And you don't need no master's degree to touch and change lives. You don't need to have that doctor before your name. You know what I'm saying? Now, of course, it'll help you, but what does it benefit you? If, if you're talking to a person with all this knowledge and stuff that they've learned from a book which another man wrote because he lived it. And that's what I'm trying to let these youth know. Everybody got a story. Don't worry about, you know, trying to uh, be something that you're not or worry about uh, feeling inadequate because you don't have a certain title or a certain amount of money, but tell your story. Because what you live and what you done went through is millions of other people coming behind you. And so if you put your story on paper or put your voice out there, you could touch and change lives of those that's coming behind you. Well said, well said. I want to go to the caller. We have a caller on the line from the 111. Wow, this is a wonderful number. <laughs> Caller, are you there? Yes, this is uh, Benny Rando. How are you guys doing? I knew it was you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are once again having a great show, and um, thank you. I'm I'm definitely enjoying it. Um, What? What? And just for the record, I ain't slept with a hundred women either, Tony. I'm the sexiest (laughs) man in America. But um, that's besides the point. I'm just messing with you. But Tony, what I want to know though, a lot of times women want to know, you know, like you know, through the, the way a man thinks and through his eyes and stuff like that. But um, what, what is your take? Do you think women really need to learn to love themselves before they can actually love another person and get in a relationship with another person, create in that um, special bond? I really do. I think they have to love themselves and respect themselves. But the hard part about it is, is what women don't even understand about themselves is that they forget that they was made from a man. So in a sense, a man, Adam was complete, and then it was taken from him and Eve was formed. But she was formed by Adam, through Adam. And mm-hmm. so a lot of women, they they try, they they loving themselves and they respecting themselves, but it's, it's more so that when they come, when they get with this man, is when they, a good man, a man of God, that's when they find their completion. But I do believe by not compromising, by not giving their most prized possession away, and, and basically that's loving yourself to say, you know what, you're going to put a ring on my finger before you lay with me. You know, I'm going to have a real commitment before you lay with me. And anything before that ain't nothing guaranteed. And so I do believe, and that's and that's how I was, and that's why I went so hard. And to be honest with you, that's how I was able, That's I, wasn't, I don't know if able to write word, but that's why I slept and with so many women. Because when I met a woman, I went 100 miles an hour. I wasn't trying to... Out to dinner, out to eat. I wasn't with all that. We, if we were, we was going to McDonald's. But as soon after that, we going straight to the room. And I'm, I'm giving them every game, every piece of game I got. And my thing about it, I'm not trying to respect you or love you. You got to do that. You got to love yourself. And so if I met a woman that hadn't been affirmed, like Dr. J said, or if I met a woman that was uh, insecure, didn't know who she was, and she gave in on the first night, as sorry, I, as, sorry as I was to leave, I had to because I, I knew that if she did it for me, she would do it for the next man and that I had no foundation in that woman. Now, a lot of women say, oh, that's hypocritical and you're wrong for that. But the thing about it is, is I had to put them to the test. And the woman that I'm married to, she showed me. 
I mean, about knocked me out when I went 100 miles out. Wow. <laughs> Put me out so, and say, let, uh-huh. let me ask you, Tony, though. But but um, let me ask you, then, then what about the women that say that you know, they're going to hold out for the year or six months or whatever it may be, and then say they're looking for their soulmate when, you know, my, my personal belief is that, you know, it, you know, I don't believe in a soulmate. I just believe in somebody that compliments you. I believe you have to already be whole. That's just my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you – you get yourself together, and you have to already be whole, and then you find yep. a woman who compliments you but not completes you because only God can complete you. So right. what is about the women who that are saying, oh, I'm looking for my soul, babe, I'm looking for the one that's going to be there for me all my life, et cetera, et cetera, and they never find it because they're looking on the outside. What do you tell those women? Yeah, I, I mean, the sad part about it is in this day and time, in this world, they might die trying, still looking. They might honestly die trying. That's why we finding so many women. They were like they showed on that Black in America thing, CNN did. How many single Black women it is, and that's and they waiting on their so-called soulmate or just you know calling it that. But I honestly believe exactly like how you said that you have to be complete. You already got to know who you are, and and a man compliments you and not completes you. And I, I definitely feel you. I, I honestly don't feel that in this life you're going to find your soulmate. But I heard John Hagee say, if you got half the mind to get married, God will do the rest. And I honestly believe. <laughs> you go, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for allowing me to call in, gentlemen. Thanks. Yes, sir. Oh, our so pleasure. Our pleasure. Always. Have a good one. Yeah. But, Tony, you, we have about three minutes, Tony, and I wanted to ask you this question. And I'm going to say this, and a lot of people may be shocked and may be surprised, but there are a lot of men out there that don't know how to love and they don't know how to accept love. You're right. You're right. Man, I, I tell you, I learned how to love in Ephesians 5. And if if anybody, Ephesians, if you don't know how to spell it, just look for the E in, in the table of content. Ephesians 5, that's how I learned how to love. And and honestly, I tell you, when when you deal with the man who created you and who created this world, you cannot go wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's like asking Michael Jordan how to play basketball. When you go to the source, you can't go wrong. So when I got in Ephesians 5, that's where I learned to love my woman the way Christ loved the church. And that parallel right there, when when Paul drawed that to the Christ loving the church, I realized then that I got to love her enough that I die for her. I got to love her enough that I would sacrifice for her, that I would go out my way for her, that I would keep her and present her uh, blemish and spot free the way Christ does the church. And that and that and then that lets them know what they ought to accept because in Ephesians five it tells them that a woman ought to submit to the man as we submit. Uh, Submit yourselves unto your husband as we submit to the Lord. And when you draw that parallel, that's when a man will understand how much he's worth. And therefore, when he realizes, man, well, if I got a woman that's going to uh, love me and cherish me like that, then I, she deserves to be taken care of. She deserves to be treated right. And that's why I tell everybody, go to Ephesians 5. You'll learn how to give love and you'll learn how to accept love. And a, a lot of women not reading that either. They getting caught up on this independent stuff and this, uh, you know, this miss woman and I'm gonna be everything and make it by myself and I don't need a man. And they don't understand that that's a trick of the enemy and they being pulled away from what God put them here for. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 a lot of women got a problem with it. But I tell you like this: if you got a problem with that, then you got a problem with the whole construct. God. Now, if you living and you single, you evangelist, you preaching and teaching, you traveling like Paul was. Paul said, I wish that everybody would be single as I am. Because when you get married, you got to tend to the things of the world. So now that's completely different. But when you living and you seeking money, you seeking degrees, and you seeking financial and material things, that ain't even of God. Because this ain't our life. Ain't no, my mom always say, ain't no U-Hauls hooked up to no hearses. You can't take <laughs> nothing with you. So we got to find out what God wants to be and what he wants to live for and stand for in this world. And when women and men understand that, you're going to realize that it's way more inside of that life than seeking, chasing that vanity and vexation of spirit in the world. Yes, yes. Tony, we got about 30 seconds left in the show. We want to thank you for joining us tonight. 
Oh, and man. I want to make sure that everybody goes out and buys the book, What Daddy Never Told His Little Girl, and go to the website, whatdaddynevertold.com. Check out the book. Look, be on the lookout for the movie. It's coming to a theater near you. Yes, sir. All right, all right. With that I being said, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. I said I thank y'all. Thank oh, you, yeah, bro. oh, yeah, always. With that being all said, right. you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us. And be sure to come see us on Monday evening. Good evening, and God bless.